Yo, yo, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the Golf Strong Project. My name is Dr. Jackson Taylor. As always, I am joined by our co-host and esteemed Bostonian slash Stud McMuffin slash golfer of the year. Some, <laughs> Dr. some people are saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim, what's up, bro? Oh, nothing. Good week. Good week of sunshine up here. Is the sun still out down in Florida? Always. Beautiful. Sun never goes down here. Well, good. Except that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a whole other thing. Now, man, it's been uh, been good down here. Did you catch Did you catch our boy Ricky Fowler last no. couple of days? No. What's he been saying? He's uh, he's played well. He was. Uh, let me double check. So he shot seven under yesterday, mm-hmm. and today. Let's see. Oh, of course, he's not in the top. That's concerning. Uh, Ricky's even through 12. He's still seven nice. under. He's two back of the leader, which is Hogue, Revy, Vegas. And then you've got a couple in front of him. I don't know if there's any other big names. Louis playing. He's six under. All right. Uh, yeah, DJ's playing this weekend, I think. DJ's so. playing. Wolfie's four under. Yeah. Good for Ricky. Uh, Finau's four under. Yeah, so Ricky's – it's a pretty good field. Yeah. I don't see – Bubba's three under. I don't see DJ anywhere. Where is he? I know he was playing. My, he said he hasn't played many tournaments this year, so he had to get one in. Projected cuts two under, and he's not at that cut line right now. Oh, boy. Uh, Sergio's two under. DJ's one under. So he's got to get – he's even through 13. All right. So he's got to get another one. Anybody else on here that looks like they need to get in the mix? I don't know. Nonetheless, Ricky seems to be on the comeback just like Speethy and the rest of the crew. So I'm pretty excited about that. I, I feel like That's golf good. needs golf needs Ricky to just ball out. I think so too. People love him. You know, I love him. Yeah. And you just want him How to play. How can you not? How yeah. Can you, not? you just want everyone to play well. That's whenever I play with people and like last two weekends ago, uh, I was playing really well. My buddy was playing terrible. And then he was like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, I just want you to play well. I don't, I don't yeah. really care. We're I want everyone to fun. play well. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want you to play like crap. No. Now, if I put 500 bucks on this round, you know, yeah, maybe I want you to play like crap and I want to look like Tiger. Maybe. But hey, maybe. I'm not going to tell you that out loud. <laughs> Definitely not. Moral uh, of the awesome. story. We just want to play good golf. That's right. That's right. Which is a process in and of itself. Um. All right, folks. So we are going to talk a lot today about general, you know, physical guidelines, activity guidelines, you know, the effects of high blood pressure, effects of obesity, et cetera. Really, the big thing is how to golf longer, get stronger and be healthier as a whole as golfers. We know that or at least and again, this is going to be anecdotal a little bit. But for me, as I look at all of the sports, golf is probably the least good about health stuff. Um, it's real easy to go out and drink on the course. It's real easy to be having a bunch of snacks when you get in and most people are in carts. So from a physical standpoint, you're really not getting a lot versus people that are picking up, you know, volleyball or stand up paddle boarding or pick up basketball or tennis, things like that. Specifically, we're talking post college or high school athletics, uh, where you're just not doing as much, you know, golf is great in the sense that we're still playing a sport. But from a health perspective, I would argue that we're pretty low on the totem pole in terms of overall health. So we're going to talk today about, you know, the basic guidelines for you to get healthier, 
hopefully live longer, play better golf and be stronger uh, and, and kind of roll with that. So uh, first things first, we want to talk a little bit about the misconceptions that we see uh, or the issues that we see with golfers and with people in general. Um, and so I think let's, uh, Tim, let's get started with the physical activity guidelines. You know, what's kind of been laid out by them and what that looks like. And we'll, uh, we'll roll from there. Yeah. So I think this, um, this is a good place to start because a lot of you, you, you may know some people, I definitely know some people who are not the picture of good health, right? But they're great. They might be scratch golfers. Oh yeah. So I oh, think yeah. their, their argument would be, why would I, you know, care about my health if, you know, I can get out there. I can do what I need to on the golf course. I can ride around in the cart and, and play well, win some money. Yep. Why would I do this? And, uh, you know, I think that goes back to longevity, right? If you're healthier, you live longer, you'll play longer. So you might as well work on your overall health, physical health and wellness uh, in, in those areas. So if we look at what the American College of Sports Medicine recommends, and these are, I think, the federal guidelines too. Uh, I guess the WHO guidelines, that they're all relatively the same. Yep. So if we're talking people 18 to 65, what they want to see is that you are doing some sort of moderate intensity activity. Um, so when we talk moderate intensity, if we want to get a little bit more specific, we're talking about heart rate. You know, and you, everyone's probably done this before where you can kind of get an age related heart rate maximum, what you think based on your age, how high the highest mm -hmm. heart rate you can you can achieve would be. Um, and we want to be in like the 65 to 75 percent zone. Right. So your heart rate's getting up there, but it's not through the roof. And so you want to be doing that moderate intensity for about 30 minutes, at, at least 30 minutes, five days a week. And they give you a little leeway with that too, right? So say you're not the most active person. Um, they even suggest at, you want to get at least 10 minutes continuous in. You right. can break it up into you know three or four segments of, of 10 minutes, but they want you to hit that minimum of 30 minutes, five days a week. Which seems Other way you can look at that too is 150 minutes a week. Yep. You know, maybe that's two 60 minute workouts. Maybe that's a few 45 minute workouts, but you know, our general guidelines are 150 minutes at least of moderate intensity aerobic activity. Yep. And then if we're looking, you know, to go a little more higher intensity, which uh, we can talk about specifically later on with some things like high blood pressure or diabetes, because I know there's some, some things we just want to be cautious of um, with that really high intensity activity. Uh, but they would recommend if you're going to go that route, you're doing at least 20 minutes a day, three days a week. So, or a total of 60 minutes of that higher intensity uh, aerobic exercise. And that's where we're getting our heart rate up to like 90% of your max. And, and you're, real, you're doing like intervals or Tabata or that sort of thing. Right. Vigorous intensity aerobic activity, as vigorous. they would say. That's vigorous. It. It's great. It's great. I love the vigorous part. Um, and then we can talk about resistance training. So yep. outside of those two aerobic ones, they're looking for two days a week of whole body resistance training. So all of your large muscle groups, resistance training, and that can be with dumbbells, that can be with bands, that can be with barbells, that can be some kind of body weight workouts for that matter, but typically some kind of external resistance beyond just what your body weight can do. So 150-ish minutes at least per week of moderate activity or 75 to 150-ish minutes of vigorous activity per week, and then two days of whole body training, which doesn't seem like a whole lot. 
Maybe you as listeners might think that's a lot, but as a whole, that's not a lot. So let's, let's blow your minds a little bit in terms of how many people actually meet that. So in the U.S. currently, 20% of our population meets those guidelines. 20%. This was a few years back, and I'll have to look. I think this might have been from the WHO, but it was talking about how the fourth greatest risk factor of death globally was inactivity. I mean, that one in five people are, act, are doing the minimum. One, the minimum, the absolute bare minimum, one in five people. So if we want to equate that to golf, I'd have to argue it's almost less. You know, now walking the course is obviously you're going to get a lot of that aerobic activity in. Sure. So that does help. But when it comes to the other parts of your lifestyle, at least you're doing something when you play golf. But I know plenty of golfers who are out there and they'll get in the cart. They've had five, six to 10 beers depending on how much they've played 18. If you think about that three days a week, it's a lot. It's a, it's a rack of bruise in a week. It's a a lot. And that's going, so you're going in the opposite direction, you know? Right. And we know that certainly when it comes to a resistance training perspective uh, and we're talking about loading joints, we're talking about loading or getting muscle mass, like sarcopenia, is a huge issue that we start seeing where there's literally a lack of muscle mass, um, bone density type stuff where we're seeing people that aren't loading their joints enough through some kind of resistance training or, you know, walking, things like that. Those are huge risk factors for long-term health issues. And again, like we just said, if one in five Americans are actually getting what they need exercise wise, if we just started there, if you as golfers that are listening to this, just got that bare ass minimum amount of physical activity, your life would change. Oh yeah. And think, you know, if, if for some of our younger listeners, if you're, uh, if you haven't reached 30 yet, you still have the potential to hit your max, you know, bone density and muscle, uh, cross-sectional area, muscle strength, that sort of thing. After 30, you can do a lot of this stuff and help slow the process of all those numbers decreasing. Right. Cause we know, as you get older through your thirties and definitely at a, at a more rapid pace later on, it, it's just aging. Your, your bones are going to get a little less dense and, and weaker. Your muscles are going to start shrinking up. But if you're doing the right stuff now to get as strong and healthy as you can, or if you know, you're say 50 and you just want to start doing something good for yourself, you can considerably slow that process uh, and really kind of kick the can from, further down the alley, uh, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and again, you're talking about simple things. You know, if you start exercising in terms of health outcomes, we're talking about improving diabetes. We're talking about decreasing blood pressure. We're talking about changes in body composition, which we're going to talk about in a second, but you know, diabetes, blood pressure, obesity, host of stress, anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. all of those things. When you look at physical activities effect on them, which again, it, it's not a drug. It's not something you have to get from your doctor. It's freely available to you whenever you want it. And yet one in five people are doing it. Yeah. And it can change all of those things, right? But medications are a lot easier than exercising. You pop them, have a glass of water, have some coffee, and you're done for the day, right? Which is a, I'm sure we'll have a podcast at some point about 
medication issues, especially with golfers. <laughs> yeah. It's like six Tylenol this morning. I'm hitting the course. Exactly. Feeling great. So yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's the disease benefits. There's also the, the falling benefit, right? Cause for any of our older yeah. listeners, the first yeah. thing, if you're 60 plus and you go to the doctor, one of the, I, I would think the first question any doctor is going to ask you is, have you fallen in the last three months or six months? Right. And I mean, that's a, a real risk of a, a fractured hip in someone that's, you know, over the age of 60 is, can be pretty, uh, pretty that's consequential. Normal. Yeah. So we want to make sure muscles are strong, bones are strong, your reflexes are on point so you can prevent a fall if it does happen. Yep. My dog's going nuts right now. Marshall's squeaking. Yeah, he's he's squeaking. Murphy, what are you doing? Come here. For anybody who cannot see us, my dog has decided to play because naturally it's playtime, Dad. Well, it's been but four. Yes. It's been four now. He had to introduce himself. I oh, know he did. He had to, he had to come into the picture, my crazy dog. But uh, but you're right. I mean, it's it's funny when you talk about you know the falling thing and just getting up out of a chair. You know, these are just basic things that if people can do, especially for like we we're just talking about our aging golfers. You know, wherever you are on this list of people that we're talking to right now, the stronger you can get, and the, even just meeting that baseline guideline that we just talked about a couple of days of resistance training a week and that 150 minutes of moderate aerobic activity. If you can just do that, your ability to play golf longer is drastically increased. Drastically. Oh, just yeah. the bare minimum. The bare minimum is enough to get you a drastic increase in how long you can play golf. And not to mention how you feel while you are yeah. playing your golf, right? I mean, walking, Absolutely. everyone's walked up a steep hill and then had to like get over a tee shot or get over a chip shot. And you're like yeah. trying to catch your breath. I mean, that yeah. becomes easier too. I mean, it's, Absolutely. it's everything. You end up playing better golf, which is, you know, half the battle. Um, all right. So physical activity guidelines we touched on. Something that I think we miss out on a lot is, or that, it's a taboo conversation almost is weight. It's body weight. It's body weight and composition, you know, body composition. What percent of you is, is what versus what? Um, and this is unfortunate and it's become this thing where we, you know, we don't like to discuss it. And obesity is a complicated thing. It's not as easy as you just need to eat less, right? There, there's a lot of nuance to that. And people say that, and I, I get upset when I see fitness coaches or physical therapists or any of the like who are just like, ah, oh, you know, you just need to, you just need to eat less and work out more. And yes, there is some truth to that, but there's also the mental sides of that. There's the behavioral side of that. But the truth of the matter is that since like 1970 or something, obesity has almost tripled in the U S tripled. I think they're talking about like by the end of the 2020s, 50% of the U.S. population will be obese, 50% of the U.S. population, right? And we don't have to get into the weeds about what happens when we are heavy, but the health outcomes, just like we talked about the benefits of exercising, the health outcomes of being overweight are, I mean, pretty massive in terms of increased blood pressure, you know, difficulty with respiratory issues, heart conditions, heart disease, diabetes, all of these things. Currently, the number one killer in the U.S. is heart disease. We were just talking about this, what, like 16, 1,700 people a day on average? It's, it's, like, it's like 650K a year or something along those lines. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's around that number, right? From things that are, in essence, avoidable. 
It is. And so just keeping an eye on body comp and weight is a huge component of you playing longer as a golfer, playing better golf and having less health issues long-term. Yeah, I can't, I know you looked up US numbers. Do you, I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Have, Do you have I any have numbers in the world? The, Cause that I would, I would, I, I would have a hard time believing that anyone's even close to us as far as me, that goes. Let me take a look. Okay, so worldwide, obesity has tripled since 1975. Okay. So it's not in the U.S. Worldwide, obesity has tripled. But, it, I mean, if I had to put a stamp on, like, what the U.S. looks like versus the rest of the world, it's uh, it's pretty massive. I mean, we're, we on, have, I mean we have we're on pace. From, oh, yeah. yeah we, are, we are easily the I can't imagine another yeah. place that's – well, I mean, think about it. We walk the least of mm-hmm. most countries. A lot of people walk to work in different European countries or certainly in different Asian countries. Uh, we walk the least. We exercise the least. We eat the most by far. We have, we have mm-hmm. food readily accessible to us anytime. Right? It's not like we have to go anywhere to get our food. I mean, shoot, we've got DoorDash that can be like, hey, I'd like you know, a spicy chicken deluxe from Chick-fil-A and uh, those freaking chilled coffees they have. Oh my God. Primo. I shouldn't talk about this. Just <laughs> excellent. But anyways, like that stuff's so accessible to us. It's, it's so it easy for us to get our hands on food and we don't do a very good job of saying no to it, but you're right. I, I mean, the U S certainly leads, the, leads the world in that. Yeah. I mean, and I think a simple, you know, we're going to talk a lot about uh, kind of exercise parameters today and that's and what you should be doing. But it, from a nutrition standpoint, I mean, it's just trying to avoid those processed things, right? I mean, they've done, yeah. uh, there was a, there was an accidental study in Iowa where they had one of these like chimpanzee colonies, right? So they like are training chimps and studying them and they've got a hundreds of, of, uh, apes. I shouldn't say chimps, but like all different kinds of apes, right? Right. One, one group, one of the experimental groups found a dumpster and just started eating out of the dumpster. So it was like human food. Right. And they, they had the researchers had never seen heart disease, uh, blood pressure, like high blood pressure in these apes. Right. And that experimental group that got into our food, all those right. they they started seeing, you know, chimpanzees with diabetes. It's just it's yeah. insane. So yeah. I think it, it can be as simple as making your own dinner, being smart about the choices you're making that way. And then if yeah. you can do these minimum uh, activity requirements, I mean that's a total game changer. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things where my first recommendation to people when they want to change their diets or want if I was going to give a general guideline to people listening to this is make a food journal. And it doesn't have to be a, I had a handful of nuts. I had six ounces of chicken. I have this to start, just write down what you ate. Mm-hmm. You know, in the morning I had oatmeal, a banana, and three cups of coffee with creamer. Okay, awesome. Uh, For a snack, I had two yogurts, and at lunch, I had a salad from Publix, and then I had a couple peanut butter cups between then and when I got home. When I got home, I was a little bit hungry, so I had a handful of chips, and then we had rice, veggie, and some steak for dinner, and then I had a little bit of ice cream before I went to bed. Just keep track of that. But when you look at that across a week and you go, okay, you know, I'm not losing any weight. I'm gaining weight, things like that. We can make some easy changes like, hey, right before bed, maybe just cut the ice cream out Mm -hmm. or those couple peanut butter cups you had in the middle of the day. Just cut those out. Nothing crazy. 
because making that behavioral change over time is tough. But people that are listening to this, if you're really looking to make some changes nutritionally and you're not going to have someone that's actually going to help you, um, just keeping a journal. It is, you know how hard it is for me to have people keep a journal? I'm like, hey, where's your journal? And they're like, ah, I kind of forgot. And like, it's really hard for them to make those changes where they're having to be honest and vulnerable about what they're eating and getting people not to be so afraid of that is a tough thing to do. But I, I know that that can be of great benefit. I'm not sure what you've done with people. Yeah, no, that's my first question is how many times a week do you eat out? Because that's, a, yeah. I know people are, you know, if, if you're, uh, you and your spouse, or your partner both work and work late nights or something, it's tough. But if you take a look at how many times you eat out and then just look at what you're eating, I think yeah. you'll, you'll realize like, oh yeah, I guess I didn't need those three Reese's cups when I was in the car. They were just kind of next to me and I did it, you know? Right. Um, and that's easy, easy stuff you can clean up. Yeah. Simple things even such as don't have it in your house. Mm-hmm. You know, if I buy, you know, one of our, one of our big things is that we'll make like chocolate chip pancakes once in a while. And at Costco, you can get the bag that's like the size of my face <laughs> and we'd come home and you just grab a handful of them because it's easy. Yep. And then you, you pop them, but you've not realized that after three of those, you've added some good calories to your day that you didn't really plan on. So right. not having certain things in the house can sometimes like, you know what, we're not going to buy chips during the week. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's great. Or whatever ends up being. So, and let's be very clear here. Nutrition is very nuanced. It is not as easy as people make it out to be. Yes. In terms of losing weight, you have to expend more than you are taking. In, right. Your calories have to be lower than what is coming into your system every day. So if I'm burning 2,800 calories a day, I can't be eating 3000 calories a day. Right. No, I can't be eating beyond what I'm expecting. So, and there's ways to calculate that, that we can get into maybe at a later date. But for now, that's where we're going to kind of leave the nutrition conversation. Um, and certainly for those of you who have never looked it up, waist circumference is one of the best predictors of health risk. Mm-hmm. I think for men, it's like something, um, it's like less than 70 or 37 inches of waist. And I don't mean like your pant size. It's like measuring, I think at the top of your sacrum all the way yeah. around. Yep. It's like, it ends up being like just below your belly button, like an inch yeah. or two below your belly button. Hip, yeah. hip proper. Um, yep. I think it's like less than 37 inches is no increased health risk, but then anything North of that is increased health risk. And then obviously more severe health risk. I think ladies is 30 or 31 inches, um, something along those lines, but those are things that are very helpful for people if they're worried about that from a waste perspective. Um, all right. So we've talked a little bit about body comp. We've talked about the physical activity guidelines. Um, certainly in terms of calories in calories out, that stuff makes a difference, but I actually, I think I'd like to switch over to sleep. Yeah. Um, personally, this is my own opinion. I think if people slept the recommended dosage per night, which is roughly seven to nine hours, we would be rid of a lot of issues as a whole health issues, recovery issues, muscle injuries, injuries as a whole. And you can expound on that, but that's of my own personal opinion. Oh yeah. And uh, not only just getting in bed and making sure you're getting that time, but also, you know, also making sure that you're not, you know, drinking coffee right up until you go to bed. Right. Cause oh. we want good quality sleep. You want to be hydrated throughout the day, right. Drinking plenty of water. 
Um, and you kind of want to wind down at night and not, you know, you don't want to be watching an action movie every night before you go to bed and getting that heart rate ramping and then trying to lay down and go to sleep. That's, that's not going to happen. Right. But you, you, I think, uh, Matthew Walker says this in his book about sleep, why we sleep that, you know, you'll, you'll meet people that say, I only need five hours of sleep. I only need this much sleep. And I, I used to be a terrible sleeper. And I used to uh, say things like that, right? Where I was like, yeah, I can I get by. Know, like four hours of sleep, yeah. Yeah. Now I know I was I was getting by. I was not, uh, you know, uh, you, you realize that you just are, you're not functioning the same uh, that, that you could. Yeah. Well, and mind you too, that you don't make up sleep you lose. Like when people talk about, well, yeah. I got to make up the time I've slept. You don't make up what you've lost. So if you think about the accumulation of years that you're sleeping every night, if in a week you only get, you four nights you get four hours and three nights you get, you know, six hours. It ends up being, you don't make up those, you know, three, four hours you missed per night later on. That recovery is gone. It's lost. You don't right. make that up moving forward. So it's, it's a big deal. And you mentioned a good comment about coffee. Alcohol is very similar. Now there is a very small subset of the population who caffeine does very little to them. They've got, there's an enzyme in your liver, as far as I know, that can break down coffee and it just doesn't affect people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the most part, the general recommendation is about four to six hours, five or six hours pre-bedtime, no coffee and no alcohol. Obviously for a lot of people, that's not the case. On the weekend, they'll have a cocktail, they'll have a few cocktails, what have you. But your sleep does get affected by that. You will not sleep as well when you have done that. You might sleep because especially if people are drinking to the point of being drunk, yeah, you're going to be knocked out, but that is not quality sleep. Your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, all of that changes. And so avoiding those four to six hours before bedtime is a very, very helpful thing. And something that I tell people all the time, you need a consistent bedtime and wake up time or a sleep and wake time. Those should be as consistent as you can keep them across the week. Cause you think of our circadian rhythms and actually in that book, Matthew Wolf talks mm-hmm. about a lot of those things. Matthew Wolf, not Matthew Wolf. Matt Walker. Matt Walker. You were talking about Wolfie earlier. Talking about Wolfie trying earlier. To make yeah, yeah. He's trying to make the cut. Give him a break. He's cut. working hard. Yeah. yeah. But, but Matt yeah, Walker it, in that book talks about that. It is. And if, if any of our uh, listeners have a whoop, like that's one of the stats they're looking at every week is giving you suggestions like, you know, your bedtimes were a little inconsistent this week. Even even if that means like during the week, you know, you might go to bed at 11. Right. But then on the weekends, you're staying up until one. I mean, that's still not good consistency oh. because you're that it's it's a, a large window there, you know. Yeah. And, and like you said, you're not even if you're going to bed at one and sleeping till noon on a Saturday, you're not making up for the week. You're you're starting Saturday on a good note, probably right, and right. good and recovered for Saturday, right. but you still got all that debt built up uh, from the previous week. Absolutely, that's a hundred percent the truth. And just your ability to recover is going to also allow you to play better golf. Mm-hmm. It's going to allow. It's going to decrease your injury risk. It's going to improve your ability to work out, and it's going to improve your focus, decrease mm-hmm. some stress. All of that makes a difference. So when it comes to good sleep consistent wake time and go to bedtime. Make sure that you're not getting a bunch of alcohol or caffeine four to six ish hours before you go to bed. Um, black, your room needs to be black. Now I've had some clients, patients in the past, especially from people if they're listening to our older who they have to get up in the middle of the night because they have to go to the bathroom. 
I get that. One of the things I recommend is lights that are censored. Mm-hmm. So when you wake up and put your feet down, the light turns on. But when you're sleeping, it should be black. The room should be cool. The room should be black. Um, sometimes one of the things that's recommended is like some kind of ambient noise, fan, white noise. Like we listen to rain sounds when we go to bed at night, which is like the most terrific thing in the world. That's <laughs> the best. It, it's, it's absolutely the best. Um, and everyone does this. I yell at my godparents about this. Don't watch TV in bed. Don't work mm-hmm. in the bed. Don't use your computer in the bed. Don't bring your phone into your bedroom. Leave it all outside. Like none of, none of those things are in your bed. Your bedroom is to sleep in and to do the nasty, if that's what you're going to do in your bed. But that's it. That's it. That's it. Nothing so else. that needs to be you know a sacred event for that. I think that covers sleep pretty much. The basic recommendations on sleep, no? That's it. Get enough. Uh, set yourself up for success there. Don't, you know, don't do anything to sabotage yourself and, uh, you know, make sure that it's a priority and has a routine around it. You know, you have a kind of a wind down routine, you're turning the TV off, you're getting dark, you're getting cool. Yep. Turn off the lights inside too. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And I know that people listening to this might be like, well, this is just generic stuff. Like, yeah, of course we need to sleep more. And of course we need to eat better. And of course we need to you know, be physically active. It doesn't need to be repeated again, but it will. One in five people are getting enough exercise during the week. One in two Americans are going to be likely obese by 2030. Right? It, the average person is not getting seven hours of sleep a night. No, I'd right? say that's got to be that's got to be around that 20 percent number. I'd imagine. Right? I don't I know, imagine, but I don't have it in front of me. I'd have to look it up. We need like one yeah. of those people that Joe Rogan has that can like look all this stuff up when I'm sitting here, like. Hey, yo, Billy, like look this stuff up for us. We need to, we need to find that guy, but it's the truth. All of those numbers are not high. So you might think that this stuff is simple and it is most of these guys, like we're not rocket scientists here. We're not breaking some amazing research gap. Like this is the basic stuff, but basic stuff can be hard. I just made a post yesterday about the world leads less Theraguns and Mm -hmm. massages and foam rollers and stupid exercises. They need more strength training, good recovery, good stress management and better diets. Just do those things. You're going to have a better life, a better quality life, a stronger life and less medical issues as a whole. Does it guarantee it? No. I've seen plenty of people that are healthy as horses and they get cancer or plenty Mm -hmm. of people that are super healthy and they get, I don't know, hit by a car or something, right? Terrible things happen, but why increase your chances immensely? Again, 600 something thousand people are dying of heart disease a year. That's yeah. a lot of people dying from an earned disease, so to speak. That's and it. then genetics play a role, and there's a, there's a whole lot to that. So we've talked physical activity, sleep, body comp, anything else in the world of you know helping yourself out that we should discuss. No, I think just the you've you've said it a couple of times, but we emphasize like obviously genetics play a role in this, right? But they you do? can't you can't change that. Right. The things yeah. that you can change are getting enough physical activity, getting yep. enough sleep, just being mindful of what you eat. And yep. it's simple, but that's it. Yeah, I agree. I think that 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 really covers a lot of them. We won't get into a lot of like the, you know, what you should do in terms of going to get medical care, like make sure you get these things checked. But I think that one thing people should understand or that we should talk about, too, is uh, from like the stress side of things. Um, one of the biggest things is having meaningful 
relationships and connections in your life from a stress perspective, from a depression perspective, from an anxiety perspective is having meaningful relationships and having a good, uh, and this podcast is, will start getting a little bit more into some of this stuff, but, uh, having a internal locus of control about your health. And so what I mean by that is you feeling like you have control over your health and its outcomes, because a lot of times we become dependent on the healthcare system or just like we almost become dependent on a swing coach. I need my swing coach or I'll never be able to play good golf as opposed to my swing coach taught me something. I am the one applying it. I am the one going out and doing it. And in the healthcare world, and Tim, you can elaborate on this. We see so many people that are reliant on their doctors. They're reliant on their ortho. They're reliant on their physical therapist. I need that massage. I need this. Otherwise I can't function. And as a whole, your outcomes are going to be worse. You need to have a, you know, an internal amount of agency that you have control over your health and its outcomes. Cause that gives you power. That gives you responsibility. And then you feel like you're in the driver's seat. You're not getting dragged behind the car. That's it. Yeah. You put the work in now you, you carry the bucket of water now and you can drink for the rest of the weekend or, um, you know, whatever other metaphor you want to use there. So it's, yeah, I agree. and it's, it helps that that sense of community is huge, right? When you look at blue zones and places where people, those are for yeah. people that don't know, those are those areas of the world that people regularly live to a hundred and, and older. Yeah. And yet, sure. They have different, like they're in all different areas of the world. Yeah. They have different diets. They, but one key factor that's in all of those places is that they have a great sense of community yep. and uh, they, you know, they um, care for each other and have, have that communal support. So, I mean, you can build it in, you can build your exercise and your activity into your community, right? If you have a group of guys that you play golf with, make the choice to start walking, then everyone's doing it together and you're, you're not the weird guy that's just out there, uh, you know trying to improve his health or, you know, if, if you live at home and you've got a couple of kids, like make it regular, a regular thing, you go for a 20 minute walk after dinner. It's, yeah. you can build these things in so that you have control over when you do them, who you do them with. And then it, it makes you accountable to yourself and to other people. That's the beauty of golf. Mm -hmm. Like golf is really a communal sport. Like you're not usually playing alone. Sure. Some people do. Um, but you're playing with your buddies, you're playing with your friends, you're playing with family members, you're playing with, you know, I know at uh, you know, the club I'm at right now, you've got families that have been playing now for generations. Like they've played together, their parents have played together. Now their kids are playing together. You know, yeah. they're playing with cousins. It's just this huge feeling of community. It's funny. I've got a guy, a patient of mine, and he always talks about how he sent his guys out this morning because he's in control of their tea times and stuff. But he thinks of them as like, these are my guys. This is my group. These are my people, right? Like we're do we're in this together. And I think that's such a beautiful part of golf. And one of the reasons that I'm attracted to golf is that there is a community, you know, there's a brotherhood of people and a sisterhood of people that want to be together. They want to get better together. They want to talk about their struggles together and how much they can't stand bunkers or how much the, you know, tea box or how much that stupid water on, the sixth hole bothers them. And, you know, there's this, this sense of community, which is really brilliant. And that will only help your health. Absolutely. It's only going to impact it. That blue zone comment is fantastic. Cause that's really the truth is having people in community with one another only allows them to live longer and better lives. 
Absolutely. That's the truth of that. That's it. So I, th- I really think that that covers a lot of things uh, in terms of what best recommendations, make sure you hit those physical activity guidelines. Two days a week of resistance training, 150, at least 150 minutes of aerobic, moderate aerobic activity, or 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous aerobic activity. That's mm-hmm. number one. Again, one in five people are doing that. Don't be that person. Number two, ensuring that we're maintaining a good body comp. And that's a complicated topic. If you guys are struggling with that, shoot either one of us a DM and we can we can discuss that a little bit more um, because nutrition is a complicated thing. Yes, you need to eat less than you are putting out into the ether every day. Um, but th- th- there's a lot more complicated to that. So if you're, if you're dealing with that, let us know. Uh, number three, we need to focus a lot on sleep. It's huge. Sleep is destroyed. It's abused. Get seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Make sure the room is dark and cold. You know, avoid coffee and liquor or caffeine and liquor, you know, four to six hours before you go to bed. You know, maybe listen to some white noise. Make sure that your bedroom is your sanctuary. You do nothing in there but the happy stuff and sleep. End of story. Um, and then develop good relationships. You know, in this golf world, it's awesome. You can connect with people. I mean, Tim and I are 1,300 miles away, but we're able to connect every day on fun stuff. And it honestly, that's it gets us excited. Like I'm excited to hop on this podcast with him because it's we get to talk shop. You know, it's a it's a fun thing. Like I feel energized when I'm done with it. That's a very simple thing, but that's what we're talking about is you can talk about golf. You can talk about the tournaments these weekends. We can talk about the FedEx Cup that's coming up here and the Ryder Cup and all these exciting things. And it does provide that community that we're looking for. Getting those things in is huge. And I think that's going to be of great benefit for all of you that are hearing this. Is it simple? By words, yes. In practice, clearly people are struggling with it. Yeah. And it's hard. Even if you're, you know, there are days I wake up and I don't want to get, I know I have a workout scheduled and I don't want to do it, but I've never felt worse after an, after a workout, no matter how bad I felt before, always come out of it feeling better, feeling like you've accomplished something, um, you know, and there's, there's just nothing better. So, I mean, for all that we've talked about the, the big hitters that, that this physical activity can do, it can help lower your resting heart rate can help lower your blood pressure, helps improve blood flow to your extremities and and everywhere in your body and improves your breathing, can decrease cholesterol, decrease your body fat, um, decrease your risk of blood clots. Um, You have a lower incidence of of heart disease, diabetes, osteoporosis. Um, You know, we talked about mood, anxiety, depression, helps cognitive function. And uh, and decreases your risk of falls. So I mean, that's a, a laundry list of benefits uh, that doesn't doesn't take a whole heck of a lot. No, my dog's currently trying to throw up. Oh boy, buddy. Sorry, Murph. You? Too jacked up since we got in here. Tim's Tim's going on a great rant, and you're just out here trying to throw up on me. <laughs> Not only you get excited for these, Murphy also gets excited. For I these. get so jacked up when I come home. This dog is ballistic, guy. Let it out, pal. What's going on with you? Anyways, yes. Yeah, so all of that is is very true. It makes a huge difference. Um, you know, I think that's probably I think that's probably enough. I think that's good info for people. I think that helps people out a lot. Um, as always, if you're struggling with that, you need help with that, shoot us a DM. You know, follow us on social, Jackson.anchorforge and Travoto.golf. Buddy. Uh oh, that didn't sound good. 
<laughs> he's, he's just throwing it up and eating it. What's going on with you? It's oh, a good thing God. that mom's a veterinarian. She can. Oh, there you go. Solve all these things. Golly, pal. <laughs> Anyways, follow. This uh, is the craziest ending to a podcast we've had so far. Don't lick me. Ah, uh, it's his gross but, uh, mouth. Oh, gross mouth. It's all right. I love him. He's a good pup. Uh, follow us on social. If you have questions, shoot us a DM. If you have comments, if you hate what we just said, if you think we're idiots, post a comment. That's fine. Call us idiots. It'll be a fun conversation. But Golf Strong Project, follow us if you're listening to this or follow us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to use all of those jazz things. Subscribe, click the bell for notifications, all that nonsense. And I've completely forgot, most importantly, a shout out to our unofficial sponsor right up there, Black Rifle Coffee Company. You guys are the best. I love your coffee. I saw that you were in the news last week. And you, you're just awesome people. I freaking love you. Keep making good. Did you get your coffee yet? Yeah, I actually got some of that Liberty. It was on sale this week, too. So I got a nice little reduced rate. It was beautiful. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I don't like saving money. Come on. For, especially I, for a great product like that. I agree. I agree. But again, four to six hours before bedtime, you can't have any. Yeah, so shut what? it down. That's the only rule. <laughs> That's the only rule. All right, folks. Well, if you guys have any questions, shoot us a message. Let us know what's up. Otherwise, we are out of here. That's it. Peace. Bye, y'all.